and welcome to another episode of Remember When with Dean Rodori, a podcast where I, Dean Rodori, ask my guests to remember when something happened in pop culture history that had some sort of effect on them. Don't worry about that because I can see fear in your eyes straight away. It's not important. <laughs> uh, before we continue, I need to let you know that The Hindu is still on sale. My second comedy play, it's in a venue near you if you live in the north of Ireland. Um gblproductions.com for tickets it's going to be a great night out if you miss it you're dead to me um, patreon.com forward slash remember when for extra weekly content thank you very much I have a soon to be new mouth to feed so please do join there and give me your money uh, my guest today is very talented very amazing singer songwriter Lucy Sprague hello hiya Hello. I have recently started listening to your music, obviously, so much more because you were coming on the podcast and you're really, this sounds really, really stupid, but you're really good. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're a really good songwriter. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, because what I love about your songs is that you tell a story. I do. Is that something you intentionally do? Uh, It's just, I've always done it. Like, I've always just written songs that are stories. Yeah. And stuff that I'm like, I'll literally see something happen and then I'll just regurgitate it. So technically, I'm stealing. Yes, but we all do that. Exactly. Because most of my material that I tell on stage as a comedian, not mine. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> off YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. If I just change the location from LA to Belfast, they'll not know. It's yeah. fine. Actually, they do say that though. Art. Art imitates life. Is that what they say? Yes, but they don't say, steal all the material. <laughs> Art imitates YouTube. I was actually, I remember being in college years ago studying drama and someone, like an actor from here who's, who's well known, well he's well known here, I came in to do a workshop and he literally was all to us, like as creatives, we were like like looking to like, like devise our own pieces and he was like, listen, everything has been thought of already, just... Just kick something that already exists and just sort of change it a wee bit. And I was like, that is terrible advice. <laughs> I like it. I like <laughs> yeah. it. That's so easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's easier than having to write my own songs. Yeah. I think there is an element of that in all art, though. But, yeah, the idea is to try and do something that someone's never done before. Yeah. Not been successful yet, but... No, well, we I wouldn't try. I wouldn't say that. I'd say you have a very original sound and style and it's very specific. Do you know what I mean? Like you would yeah. listen to, you, when you listen to a lot of your songs together, you go, oh, you get your style. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I appreciate that. People said about me too. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. Um, but obviously your first rise to fame was The X Factor. It was. Yes. I had another X Factor contestant on here a few weeks ago. I saw. Owen Quigg. Owen Quigg. Do you know Owen? I don't know him personally. These were in different years. Yeah, but it is like, you know, when I tell someone I'm a lesbian, they're yeah. like, oh, my cousin's a lesbian. She lives in New Zealand. <laughs> Have you met? <laughs> and, but, and then, Have you kissed her? Actually, it turns out. Most of the time, you're like, yes! You do know them. Um, but again, with X Factor contestants... Yeah, you want to, first of all, be offended. Go, no, we don't know each other. What's her name? Her name's Emily McGill. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, we, we went out, yeah, for six years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We were married. Um, no, it's the same with X Factor contestants. People are like, do you know them? And I'm like, yeah. Are you but- all in this one big pool of trauma together oh. that you're like... Drowning. Yeah. Yes. So you are just joined collectively. You've bonded through trauma. We weigh each other down, actually. We <laughs> get further and further under the water. I don't know him, though. I've never met him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but because we'll... obviously it's such a... It's, it has to be one of those experiences that nobody will understand in your circle of friends or family unless other contestants... Like, you can talk to other contestants about it because obviously that must be wild. It's so... It is so wild. And it is traumatic. Yeah. Like, 
And people always go, well, you knew what you were getting yourself in no, for. No, you didn't. Like, oh, I had no idea. No. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have. Would you not have? I, in terms of the fame, yeah. like, I woke up the day after my audition. I went out on a night out after my audition had aired. Your, your stuff went viral, though. It went, it went yeah. mad, yeah. It was the fourth most watched video in the world in 2012. What was the other three? Oh, one was... Gangnam Style. Cat playing a piano was, like, number three, and I was like, to be fair... <laughs> Cat's pretty good, that. <laughs> Do you remember the one like that? Um, oh, yes, the people use those I think gifts. That, I think that was that one. Beat That's me, tough competition. Me to number three, but it was so like intense. It happened so quickly, and I remember like the next day. So I went out on a night out, and everyone was like, "Oh, Lucy!" And I was yeah. like, "Whoa, yeah!" And I used to work in the high street with a clipboard, so that was like my Monday to Thursday job was being professionally ignored by everyone. Yes, and then the I've next day, you. yeah. Oh, <laughs> I ignore them now. I'm like, sorry, I used to be one. Yeah, but... yeah. You're like, I've moved on. Yeah. One X Factor, and then you can. <laughs> You can be ignored. And it was just a bizarre flash. It was like the contrast was just like the lights are on, the lights are off. So quick. Yeah. And my next, I remember I went outside my back door and I'd never spoken to my next door neighbours and there was a kid on a trampoline just jumping up and down going, last night I told you I loved you <gasps> over the garden wall. And I was like... <gasps> Besides your house? Yeah. No. It was so Did weird. they know you lived there though? They must have done. But we'd oh, never spoken. Imagine they were just auditioning for you. Oh, that would be weird. They'd be like a backing singer. <laughs> That's quick audition. I like it. <laughs> That's the way to do it. But yeah, because then obviously, like Owen had told me when he was on about like this, the sorts of like really famous people that he met afterwards. It just felt like this surreal experience. Bizarrely, lots of them have died since, and I don't know if he's to blame, but potentially, uh, potentially, yeah. He sounds a bit curseful. He's bringing that that sort of traumatic energy <laughs> towards him. Was there anyone that you met after the X Factor that was a positive influence? That was famous. Who gave you great advice? Oh, I'm not sure about the advice, but I did walk past Rihanna. Oh, that's enough to do. Yeah, that, yeah. that'll do it. I just went. Did you sniff her? Yeah. <laughs> what did she smell like? About well, like right, Rihanna. It's the only way I can explain it. I sniffed. Um, oh, I think she would smell like coconut and success. Pretty much. That's pretty much bang on the bullseye. Like she just smelled like. Just like Rihanna, see, I went to an event the other day and Naomi Campbell walked past, actual the Naomi Campbell, and the first thing I did, my girlfriend was like, what's wrong with you? I was like, sniffing her. Sniffed her. Why she are you sniffing, sniffing everyone? Because, like, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't think you're supposed to sniff people, but uninvited. I mean, it's kind of like the after sniff, you know? like just No, saying, even if it was a before sniff. She smelled incredible. Like, cigarettes with like beauty products that sounds disgusting that sounds like an old fusty makeup bag <laughs> do you know like one that's been around for a hundred years it smelled like a new makeup bag <laughs> if I bought a new makeup bag and it smelled like Lambert and Butler <laughs> I would send it back <laughs> it sounds weirder than it is or maybe it is actually just really weird that I want to know what people smell like was she crazy at all yeah mm. she, like I don't know I've seen a lot of celebrities and famous people but there is a level of famous person that when you see them and you're like whoa I think especially when they're like supermodels because they don't look human no. they're, and they're because they are like a certain species I've met Elle McPherson and um, sh- sh- I remember like was off I looked directly at her and got a be blinded. That's what I... I think that's maybe why I'm a bit more like, I can't look, so I'll have to just smell. Yes. Do you know what I mean? 
I grab. <laughs> I use my other senses. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, that's not that's not appropriate. Uh, I use touch. <laughs> I remember seeing because Nicole Scherzinger was um, a judge on my year. Oh my god, was she? Yeah, and right. I remember seeing her for the first time, and like, I think it's probably around 2008. And I was a very young lesbian, potentially just out of the closet. I used to go onto the J Ho music video, and there was a scene where oh she, the J Ho yeah, yeah. she walked through this beaded curtain, na, 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 na. and I used to just like go back and watch her walk through the beaded curtain and go back. And I go used back. to do that, and I'm not even gay. <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know the buttons song? Oh, do I know the buttons song? (laughs) (laughs) I've jerked off the buttons song. (laughs) There was like a tunnel. And do you know the girl, Melody, who wanted to be the lead singer at the start? And she she had like, she properly sang in like their first song. And after that, they were like, shh, stand you back a bit. Nicole made up. And you could see her like trying to get out in front of Nicole in that video, like to sing more. And Nicole's like, get back, bitch. I'm in charge. But they are, like the six of them are like, creeping out like these sort of sexy robots out of this tunnel and I remember like that was the moment I saw am I gay because these are fucking gorgeous women that's and and I remember I remember doing like you're a teenager and you're like drunk and you're all like I'm never gonna look like a pussy candle (laughs) and I remember my friend going it's their job to look that good you'll have a different job (laughs) you don't have to look good I was thinking about I, I never was that. I was crying about, oh, I'll never go out with a pussy yeah. cat. <laughs> yeah. And then when I, yeah, when I saw her, I kind of like, it was really weird, very surreal. That would be. Whether she gave me any advice or not, I'm not sure because I couldn't tell you what she said. But also she's very talented as well, which is. is like, do you know like when you're that, like when you're crazy gorgeous and talented, people must say that about us. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Like, yeah. I mean, I know what it feels like. It's very stressful. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of pressure, actually. I love you know. Um, who was your judge? Um, Talisa. Oh, and I like her. She made a comeback. Yeah, she has. She's back out. She had a rough time. She did. Bless yeah, her. yeah. She's, she was lovely. I nobody realised recently is that she's like a couple of years older than me. Is she? Mm. So she would. She's probably. Well, I think I'm a couple of years older than you. So she would be my age then. She's mid thirties. Yeah, yeah. I'm thirty one. Yeah. So I think she's like mid mid thirties. And I thought at the time I was like, oh, you must be. I don't know. It's but, adult. Yeah, I thought that. So do you ever like say like you were growing up in like the nineties and there was like Spice Girls and Blue and all the boy bands and girl bands and now I'm like the same age as them and I'm all how'd that happen? Because yeah. whenever I was nine, they were twenty five. <laughs> Literally so both 34 now. <laughs> I don't get that. No, it's so weird. It's like they, but then that makes you realise that they were only about 16 in those bands. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and that's the crazy thing is that no one really did anything that bad back then. No. Even though they were young, like, you know, and then when you go on, I think it's because they were eased into it. But then you go on something like X Factor and you're like catapulted. Yeah, it's like the next day. And you're like, ah! Yeah, yeah, you just, you run loose then. Did you go wild for a while? Yeah. Yeah. Partying? Yeah. But like, sad party, sad party girl. Like, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm sober now. I'm like four years sober. Sad nearly. party girl is a great name for a TV series. It's a good um, album as well, Sad Party Girl. Yeah. Should we make like a TV show with. I'll do the you can do the soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. Sad party girl. I'll be in it. I would make such a good sad party girl. <laughs> I would just be crying in the corner under my wine. That was me. Yeah, that's, I know. So would you have been somebody who would have drank and gotten very, like your personality would have changed? Yeah. Yeah. Never suited me. Never. Or maybe for like an hour. I was very funny. There's a, there's a part in the middle of the night where you're great fun and then. Yeah. 
then you're a danger to people. <laughs> yeah. My friends would be like, oh, she's gone. She's not there anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But um, after, just before lockdown, like maybe six months before lockdown, I was just like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. So I stopped. And like, how was that transition? Because obviously, did you lose friends? Because I know that people... Like a lot of socialising is about drinking, especially especially here. It's a ma- and, and and England too. I think the whole UK and Ireland's a massive drink culture as regards socialising. So then, when you don't drink, does it become this? Like, cause I'm pregnant now, so I can only drink yeah. once a week. <laughs> 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 um, but when you so you sort of stop doing things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's just a there's like a there was a bit of a block because you go out with people and you just realise that there's not that much in common. Yeah. But I do think that friendships have expiry dates anyway. Not all of them. Yes. No, you're so Some right. Yeah. And like people grow and they grow in all different directions. And I think I, rather than my friends changing, my friends being in the wrong, I just started sort of like growing in a different direction. Yeah. Now I have a completely different friend group. But do you think your old friends see that as, oh, Lucy got famous <sighs> and has new friends? Or do you, like, do you think there's a We Hate Lizzie group back in your hometown? <laughs> I'm only joking. I mean, I know there is, yeah. but, um, no, but... Do you know what I mean? Like, because obviously, but suppose you quit drinking quite a long time after yeah. your career took off. I think there are a lot of people who would be like, I reach out to friends I haven't spoken to in ages, and I'm like, we haven't spoken in ages. And they, they'll they say, oh, well, I thought you were too good for me now. And I'm like, oh, that's such a strange representation of how you feel about yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your relationship with alcohol, because I'm just, like, going about doing my life, like, running. I like running. Yeah. And going to the gym and still going out on nights out. But for somebody to think, oh, your sobriety, like, intimidates me. I don't want to be friends yeah. with you anymore. As, then, as if, like, you're... As if that has anything to do with them. Yeah. When it was a decision, I assume, based on you. Yeah, wholly based on me, yeah. Yeah. Where somebody would make it about them. Do you know what they need to do? Stop drinking. It's just that there's, there's... When people say that, I often think there's something up with your drinking and the other thing is when someone's wasted and they come over and they're like I just don't know how you do it how are you sober I'm like I used to do this to sober people you need to rethink your relationship with alcohol in your own time though I have um, a two year old and that's who needs to stop drinking (laughs) (laughs) no Um, but like you just can't be hungover. Like that's an experience that's just not not worth it. I I genuinely don't know how parents a have children and survive. No, and b yeah people that drink who be have hungover. Kids. I don't understand that. And like one of my best friends, anytime she which would be very rare that she would go on a full night of drinking because you just don't. That's like not worth it. Obviously, especially when you're in your thirties and you're just like you've got kids. It's just not worth it. But she would be sick afterwards for like a week. Like her body, her immune system would be so low. You don't get the chance to sleep enough to recover your body. Your body's fighting it. Like so, you you get you get sick. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, was that couple hours on a night out really worth I this? I just don't think it is shitstorm, um, especially with a child. And I, if I woke up now with the symptoms of a hangover. Like, yeah. as, as a person that doesn't drink, I'd literally be checking myself into hospital. Yes. You know, if I yes. feel that sick, mm-hmm. if I was like, oh my God, I, like my mouth is dry, I feel like I'm going to be sick, I yeah. have a worse headache, I'd be like, something is really wrong with Well, my that body. is how my pregnancies have felt. Hungover, 24-7, without the buzz. Which Ooh. is so shit. Like, constantly hungover. Not now, but like the well, first... You get baby at the end, which is quite... Yes, that's, that's the bonus. But like, yeah, it's like a, a constant hangover. And then you're like, well... 
you, you don't even get the buzz first. You're like you're just hungover all the time. Um, but did I read? I did read because I know I can read, and this is what I read. Um, you have <laughs> a question? Can I read? <laughs> My right. Um, you fostered. I did. Yeah. Yeah. That was that. How was that for you? I mean, that's uh, my um, my mother and father in law foster uh, have fostered for years. Um, they have, but they've they've actually had a, a a boy who's been with them now for like fifteen years. Oh wow. Um, and they love it. Like I don't, I don't know of them any other way. But that's such a massive thing to do with your life. Like forever, how short a period of time that you do it. It's a massive undertaking a really selfless thing to do like what was the inspiration well my ex-wife um she was the one who was like i want to do this she did she was sort of trying to find out what she wanted to do yeah and i was basically supporting that um and it was an amazing thing to do but i was doing my i think my third album at the time and touring Uh and it's not the easiest thing to do when you're a touring artist no but it did really open my eyes to like a lot of a lot of things. Yeah, uh, and more who to avoid. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> but just in general, like the way I feel about children, um, and I really saw them for what they are. Like even the the teenage ones, just children are very vulnerable. Uh huh. And it really opened my heart to that. Yeah, because I suppose it's. Where, as you say, especially teenagers, they get such a bad rap. They like, really do. They're constantly, and they're just like I would hate to be a teenager now. Oh, yeah, with all the phones and the social media and all of that. Nah. They're all really damaged. I think like it's a, it's a, it's a, and we and we don't know how to. I think deal with that yet. Like as parents, like I have three stepsons, and they're all teenagers, wow. and and you're sort of like they're going through a completely different teenage experience than I did and it's always hard being a teenager but being a teenager now and and we as we as parents aren't really equipped yet to be like how do you navigate this for them because we don't know what it's like yeah there's an entire life going on inside this little Phone. rectangle yeah. who are they talking to exactly and I think are they watching the, my podcast yeah, I hope so <laughs> so do I <laughs> the, and the one thing actually that is consistent to show children even if you don't understand what is going on is compassion and that's what I learned yeah is that like we'd have some kids and the social workers would be like you need to tie the tv to the wall because they'll throw it down the stairs and they had this reputation that preceded them and I made sure that when they walked in my door I left that yeah yeah outside the door and I never had a single problem nothing was ever suppose if you if you approach them at that attitude then it's you're going to automatically maybe be harsher with them than you need to because but it's in the right environment, surely they wouldn't behave like that. I just, if we if we do really remember what it's like to be a teenager, everything sucks. Yeah, hard. Yeah. So like, I was just said, you know, I ha- I wasn't fostered as a teenager. I can imagine that this is even harder. Was your ex wife you. fostered? Is that why no. she? Okay. No, we just I, I I'm not entirely sure where it came from, but it was a great thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe I was a bit too young to. What age were you when you were? 24. Wow, that is young. Yeah. You need fostered at 24. <laughs> You're I, the child. I don't feel like an adult now. Yeah, yeah. No, I know near a day. Like, I'd be raising these kids and I'd be like, that is, like, what? But even, like, so me and my husband, our two babies are IVF. 
Oh wow! And like it was a years-long process for that for that to happen. But it, I started it in my early twenties because I could foresee that it would be a process that would take years. And I started it years before I was ready to have kids. Even even at the stage where I was like, I know I don't want kids right now, but I know this could take ten years. Wow! And I sort of didn't get pregnant. Till I had my daughter's my two now. You know, I'm thirty four, so I knew it was going to be. And that my husband's like the man thing where he was like. You know, we don't want kids right now so it's pointless and I was like yeah, this will take years she's like no 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 and then I was like I'm starting this process whether you want to donate some sperm or not so like <laughs> get on board <laughs> do you know what I mean because it will take and it does it takes it takes such a long time so you probably just have to think about these things when you're fucking younger don't you yeah yeah well I mean for like a good few years I was like I don't want kids yeah I don't want kids and now I'm 31 and I'm, bi- I'm a bit like mm. Well, there's two wombs in any relationship I'm in, so yeah. I ain't having a baby of mine. So you, you prefer s- your partner to carry? Hundred percent. I mean, if I could do that, fuck, that it's would so be great. The you know, best. people always say to me like, "How how are two women gonna have a baby?" I'm like, we could have loads if we wanted. Yeah, like, yeah. at the same, same time, time. What if we both had twins, like triplets, like life over? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not doing it. So knackered. But um, there's not even enough arms no. to carry that amount of babies. I don't even think there's enough arms on two pe- two people with one baby. Like, <laughs> no. they're such extreme creatures. Yeah, like this is. I don't understand why they haven't fixed biology yet, where a man can get pregnant. Like, look, we've fixed loads of shit. We've realised we don't need our appendix. We've. I think we can get rid of some of our kidney. We don't need that. We found that out. Diabetes. They are not dying anymore. People who are diabetics. We've sorted that. Why can't we load like lessen the burden? I think it's them. We don't live in a hunter-gatherer world anymore. Why can't men give They're wimps. Or do you think... Do you know what's happened? They'd die if they went through the pain of childbirth. They absolutely would. Well, do you know... I don't know what way you measure pain in, but, like, apparently it's, like... Say there's, like... The most amount, most amount of pain a person's meant to withstand is like 42 units of whatever the pain threshold... I don't know, milligrams, whatever it is. Scovilles, like chilies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when you... During childbirth, you experience something like 56, so some, something that's, like, should be death, but isn't. That's how was it bad? Yeah, death. Was it? Oh, I was, it's like, well, sure, surely, surely I'm going to die, you know, any minute. And, and you're doing it again. I mean, that's the thing. That's why, that's why, that's why, like, the world continues to exist. Because it, they wipe it from your brain. They, they do, they, some men and black fuckers come <laughs> in and go, chung, chung, you're all, let's have another. You see the baby, you're like, oh. Yeah. I feel my body doing that, though. Like, I'll walk down the street and I see a baby and I feel my body be like, oh, we need one of those. And then my brain's like. Who the fuck was that? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you're like, remember that full night sleep last night? Yeah. That was great. Mm-mm. Let's do that. I reckon some man in some lab has figured out how to get men pregnant and went, oh, let's lock that fucking shit up, put that away in a cupboard. It's buried. <laughs> Don't let people know about that. We'll <laughs> <laughs> be fucked. <laughs> Imagine how much time they'd get off though. Like, and how much, like, they'd be. Yeah. Maternity right. pay would be yeah. way higher. 100%. Even like, Postnatal healthcare would be way better. They probably find a way of it to just be like painless as well. Well, they exactly. They probably know that. Yeah. They probably find a way of sneezing and it just falls out your arse. <laughs> That's what happened to my mum when I was born. I really? Think. No. Uh, well, some my my mum literally said to me last week because people do this thing sometimes before they give birth where they drink a bottle of castor oil. I know why. I think it gives you the shits as well. It's not recommended. <laughs> I think it. I think it just lets everything fall out of you. You have oh. to catch organs and put them back in and all. Oh. But my mum was like, oh yeah, your your Auntie Marie slid right out of your granny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did not actually, I actually didn't engage and I just, I came out all 
like my heart stopped when I was born. Why? Just got an attention. I'm all way. Go back and ask. I you. was. I was just. I was just doing it for attention. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like this. Wow! <laughs> I'm a Got you. <laughs> I was huge when I was born. I came out full head of hair, six teeth. I thought you said six two then. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm sixteen now. But I came. I was like ten pound three. Yeah, after I was born, my so the main I came out and my mum was like, "Well, all your clothes don't fit. You have to wear mine." Did she have kids after that? No, she was told oh. not to. No, this was the late eighties, and my they were like, "You shouldn't have any more because that that's that's that's, that's not worth, on. That's worth three anyway. That's not that. okay. Yeah, yeah. She's gonna eat you at house home. That's not okay." <laughs> Wow. They were like, if you have another one, there's no way you'll you'll survive that. Because she was diabetic as well. Right? Well, I gave her diabetes. Oh. She's had it since the day. Oh, she got pregnant with me. Fun. I know, and but... how much did your first one weigh? Seven, fifteen and a half. Oh, yes. So there's this thing as well, whenever you're pregnant, where they do like, um, they measure your bump with a tape measure. And you're like... Aye, that's a, they, me, they measure your bump with a tape measure and you're all, your baby's five pounds now. And you're all, bullshit, do you know that from that? Wise up. <laughs> Come on. when it's born, you're like, whoa. Yeah, because whenever I was like, say, 38 weeks pregnant with my daughter last time, they were like, your baby's going to be massive. She's like, she'll, like, we're talking like an 11 pounder. We're going to have to get you I started. I bet you were terrified as well because you were nearly an 11 pound baby. Exactly. And I was all, I was massive. This one's going to be massive. I don't know how my vagina's going to recover. And then she wasn't, she was 7, 15 and a half. And I was like, why are you all talking shit? Fine. So now I don't listen to any of them. I'm doing a home birth this time and I'm going to give birth in my living room. In a little? In a wee pool. You're having pain meds though, right? No. You're not? Well, gas and air. Ah. Yeah, the fun stuff. I mean, I'm sober, so if it was me, I'd be like, give me everything. I've only got one chance. No joke, I have four canisters of it in my house right now because they deliver because I am like about to give birth any day. And the, so I have... Like, Are you actually about to give birth any day? Oh, yeah, I'm like... Can you do, imagine? I'm, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? I know. Um, so I have loads of gas in my house, and I'm like, how would they know if I took some now? They wouldn't. They wouldn't. Get it done. How do you get it from the canister in, though? I think you need a mask. Better than a whole bottle of canister... Uh, can- what was it? The, the, uh, castor oil? Castor oil. Oh, it won't bring on labour, but it'll make it fun. Yeah. Make yeah. the next week fun. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Um, so your show is you have a show in Belfast tonight this will be going out after this um, have you performed in Belfast before? yeah yeah oh, quite, uh, I played the limelight before and there's a kitten stiff kitten stiff kitten the years kitten. ago yes I don't think stiff kitten exists anymore does oh, it oh that's a shame there'll be, there'll be another bar there though I remember in stiff kitten actually years ago when I was a student out and I was wearing a pair of stilettos <laughs> and the heel on one of my stilettos oh. snapped off did you <laughs> I walked around the whole night on tiptoes on one foot <laughs> And I just was all, nobody will know, nobody will know. That's what we really like about drinking culture is that like, the lengths you'll go to just to stay just to out. stay out. <laughs> <laughs> now the lengths I'll go to to go home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're ripping your own heel off. My Literally. shoes are broke. Oh, no, I'm going to have to leave. <laughs> um, do you find a difference to perform in like, different regions? Yeah, definitely. Do you? And Belfast is always one of those shows where like during the song it's super quiet and you're like, is anyone in here? And then... When they when they cheer, they they like mean like, well they're just listening. Yeah, well, that's because your songs are like storytelling. That's yeah, why. I, well, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, they're but, listening to the story. And just that they're they're there for the crack. Like that they I talk in between sets as well. So like yeah, explain what the songs are about. And I think well, there's like a respect in Northern Ireland and anywhere where music is ancient. 
there's yeah. like a different kind of respect for music. I find it in Scotland as well, and like in like the Celtic area, yeah, yeah, especially for storytelling. Yeah, well, I suppose that's like the Celtic culture is is massively known for storytelling. Like, there's um, what's the word for all the? I can't remember, but like my my brother, I think is like studies Irish folklore, folklore, yeah, like old old Irish stories and Hank he's named his kids after like characters from really? old folklore yeah, yeah. it was really funny because my daughter's called Winter when I was naming my daughter he was all what's like the big story behind it and I was all I like how it sounds and he <laughs> do you know what I mean and he was like oh well my daughters are named after a princess fucking Lalig or whatever and I'm all well okay that's good for what you about, isn't it what about the next one I can't, I can't you can't reveal it I ha- well not that anyone will- oh this is afterwards oh the baby's called Rocky it's a boy <laughs> this will go out after maybe big reveal oh, I don't know actually <laughs> Rocky's a great name he's called Rocky that's yeah. really exciting we were actually going to change his name but my daughter keeps calling him Rocky and oh. I think if we change the name now she'd be like well where's Rocky where'd he go what just do with him yeah. yeah that's so sweet who's this other one yeah um, so yeah so you think there's an appreciation for storytelling yeah. here then and just a ge- ge- in general, like a uh, more appreciation for performing performance. Yeah, I think. Yeah, but I but it's that age old thing. Like I think, especially for I'm I'm from Derry, and everyone thinks they're a perfor- everyone is a performer. Like everyone, do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. very much like have you got, have you got a taxi here yet? Yeah. Anywhere? Yeah, and the, they'll just stop, they don't stop to, talking. Yeah, yeah. They do not stop talking. I, Sometimes I they're quite aggressive. Do a little meditation in the taxi on the way back from the airport, and I'm like, oh, headphones coming out. Yeah, better have a chat. Yeah, I've been like picked up for jobs, like acting jobs from like drivers here, and they're they're so lovely and so friendly and so chatty, and they just have lots. To, they they they've they've picked up so many different types of people in the cars. They have a million stories, and they also are really political sometimes without really knowing anything and then they're all like well, what about that Brexit stuff and you're all aye what about it <laughs> yeah and then they'll I give you a full rundown where you're like I'm not ready to give you my answer yeah. until I've heard your answer yes exactly yeah and you're all I don't know anything about this yeah. but you're all why why or like my mum every time she comes down to visit me she gets a taxi and she'll be like everyone's a fucking conspiracy theorist who drives from anywhere do you know what I mean like she'll get in they'll be all here did you get the Did you get the injections? <laughs> Fucking watching us, aren't they? And they're just like a full on conspiracy theorist every time. And what was it? Um, oh yes, it was about the king's coronation recently. My mum was in a taxi, and the taxi driver was like, "We used to be out doing the next street parties for the king's coronation." My mum was all to me. He was clearly trying to find out if we were Protestant or Catholic. And my dad was all, he picked us up in a very Catholic area. He was joking. Oh. <laughs> and my mum was like, he was trying to get it out of me whether or not I was a Catholic or a Protestant. I love that, taking it dead serious. Yeah, like, yeah, she was offended straight off. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, like I say, headphones in, sit in the back of a taxi. If they try and speak to me, normally I just, yeah. yeah. Or more neutral words. Yeah. I'm sure though, with an English accent, if you get picked up here, they immediately want to know why you're here. Are they like, he what, here for work, here for pleasure? That was literally what he said, are you here for work? I was like, yeah. And then I just leave it, yeah. You're like, I'm in the army. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just nosy bastards, is all it is. <laughs> um, so you're, you've been on tour quite a while. Yeah. Oh, a couple of weeks? Uh, yeah, you? a few weeks, yeah. Um, long enough to know that, to rem- oh, sorry, I kicked your plants. It's okay, it's fake. Oh. There is real, like real soil. There's real soil. <laughs> what happened there? I am stupid. Oh, there's a fake plant with real soil. Did you think it I, was real? Well, I, th- um, I was trying to fill you and it didn't work. 
I was going to say, I don't know if plant could thrive in here at all, but the so- it's real soil, so it must be real, so you got me. I think I was trying to go, I think I was, I don't know what to say, it's just a fake plant from Ikea. I'm sorry for even bringing it up. <laughs> um, I've been on tour long enough to realise that I can't sleep on a tour bus. Mm. And I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I feel like I... Have a two-year-old. Is it the is it the noise? I'm sure there's other people on the tour it bus. It moves. So like that's you know, how you get into me. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. But like, so, so there's a bus call after the show at like one o'clock in the morning. That's when everyone has to be on the bus, and you sleep in these little coffin bunks. Mm. But when because you're, there's like a kitchen and like seating area downstairs, and the bunks are upstairs, and I'm on like a top bunk bit. Yeah. So you're right at the top. So when he just pulls off the curb, you're like, I'm dying. Hi. Especially oh, yeah. if you're asleep. If you want, he could fall off. Ooh, like mm. that. And, oh, yeah. But what is that? That jolting thing you do in your sleep? It's called a myclonic jerk, isn't it? It's called a what? Is it called a myclonic jerk? A myclonic? My, myclonic? My, myclonic? <laughs> myclonic jerk. That Listen, sounds like a really dirty category I'm in a porn site. I'm pretty sure in assembly, in like year seven, my one of the, the head teacher came in and was like, everybody needs to stop calling each other horrible names. Um, it would be really great if we were kinder and we could use different words. Like, my, you could call someone a myclonic jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Why? And I, I don't know. I prefer the word twat. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it stayed with me. I'm going to have to Google that because that's just come out of like yeah. from more than 15 years ago. Was the teacher suggesting that instead of calling someone a jerk that you would call them a myclonic jerk? I think so. I think her logic was flawed, very flawed. Yeah, because who says jerk this side of the water? Exactly. Like it's an American thing, isn't it? And who's going to be like really pissed off and like, oh, you're such a myclonic jerk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although kids are like sometimes like they're hilarious. Do you know they sometimes say fork off and you're all, oh, I know what you're trying yeah. to do. Or they'd be all... Uh, give me your fingers and say brackets. Do that. One of my nails is gone. I do love that. that. <laughs> give me the fingers and say brackets. Oh, I up. still do stuff like that. Do you? <laughs> but being on a tour bus seems really like swanky or rock something. And roll, rock like. and roll. Yeah, no. Not necessarily rock and roll like partying, but almost like, that's quite cool. Do you know what I mean? I think I, it is cool. And yeah. I have loads of friends who like tour, like... Don't use tour buses? No, they do. And they're like, oh, oh just the tour bus. And I'm like, shut up. Yeah. You a... think it's cool. I know you do. Yeah. And yeah. they're with... Mm. I mean, it's cool. It is really cool. They're trying to act yeah. cool about it being cool. Like and I'm so... like, it's always going to be cool. It's a tour bus. Yeah, it's a tour bus. And it's for you. And my, and your my, team. my girlfriend's parents came to watch my show in Manchester. And she was like can I show them the tour bus? And I was like, yeah, that gives me such yeah. high points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That piece of shit gone ahead. Yeah. Like, yeah, the cinema screens at the back. Yeah. <laughs> it is quite cool, but it's dark. It's so dark on there. Oh, and turn so on the, the blacked out windows. Oh. And the lights are all like mood lights. Yeah, because it's, it's driving. It's kind of bluey in here. It's like that. Um, what has what has been the biggest perk so far of, of doing what you do? Of being a singer-songwriter, of people knowing who you are, having some fame, what has been the biggest perk? I'm trying to think of something that's... Do you know what it is, genuinely, and this sounds really deep, but, like, people come and share their, like... I guess not share, not hearing the stories, but, like... I watch people at my shows. Do you ever go to a gig and think, what the, what are they thinking on stage? 
And I, because I do, I'm like, the artist, what, yeah, the artist what, what are you thinking right mm, now? Mm. And when I'm playing, I'm looking out to like, this is some of the biggest shows I've ever done in, in over in England. Yeah. And I'm like, I look out and see thousands of people who are sitting there like, just staring up at me with these big grins on their faces. And sometimes they like turn to the person, the, the person they've come with and like look at them with proper love in their eyes. And, uh. and that, for me, the biggest perk is like seeing those moments and those people, for some reason, Spent their money, got in their yeah. car, parked, put money in the parking machine, went and yeah. got some dinner, made a whole night of coming to watch yeah. my show. Your name was probably in their calendar. Which, which blows funny. my mind. Yeah. And that for me is like the greatest privilege. Well, I remember, so I um, wrote and started in a comedy play. It was my first one that was out last year and the sequel was out this year. The Hendry tickets are now on sale at GABLproductions.com. Um, and... It was like the biggest thing I felt like I'd done because I'd written it and it was in like these huge thousand seater venues and we sold out, you know, 26 shows and it was like this big deal and I was like blown away by the like response to it. And I, my favourite thing without sounding corny too was like every single night you would see groups of women, it was 99% women in the audience, yeah. leaving giggling their heads off it was a comedy and they were like having loads of fun and they were having drinks with their mates or they weren't having drinks with their mates whatever you're doing let's say it's fine <laughs> and and they were like you know like, <laughs> they were like on their way back to like the train or the bus or the car and I and as I would like leave like the stage door I would just be like seeing a buzz of like people who had just come out of the theatre and like had a great night and I understand as someone in my 30s with kids how difficult it is to get a night with your friends to do anything social where it's just for you and you, you might be one night a year Yeah, and like that's the truth of it it really is maybe one night a year you get to do something like that the most sometimes and you're just so honoured that they choose your art form that's to exactly be that it. entertaining to be their entertainment for the night and and it's their whole night it's, it's wild isn't it yeah and like the appreciation I think you have to be a because, like, everyone's just a normal person, aren't they? Like, I'm, yeah, imagine not me. I'm normal, very special. Very, but, yeah. very special normal person. Yeah, but, yeah. No, yes. No, I agree, yeah. And, like, if you go and watch art yourself, you appreciate what that does for you as an audience yeah. member. And then you're the person on the stage and there's just this huge, you're like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Realisation. And I say to people in the audience um, at my shows, like, right now, not earlier today, not tomorrow, don't think about those times, like, right now, are you feeling happy, like, right now? Yeah. And all these people are like, yeah, and I'm like, remember that feeling, because, like, it's there. Yeah, just, yeah. We're all here and we're enjoying it, and just, like, as a reminder that you can be happy, like, in that moment, take it home. And I do think a lot of the time, too, people don't give themselves an opportunity to to go to something and just for them enjoy themselves like there's a you know what I mean like I do yeah you know it's like there's other there's always a million and thing there's always a million reasons not to go to something sociable or have fun there's always a million things we're like oh well I've got work tomorrow and I've got to get a babysitter and I've got to I don't have enough money or there's always a million reasons not to do something but there's always one reason to go that's the title of your next album oh that's it and what was it sad sad girl sad Sad party girl. Sad party girl. But your song "Tea and Toast" makes me cry. Oh, I am very hormonal. I was going to say you're like very <laughs> pregnant. I'm sure like an advert would make you cry at the moment. Uh, it would make me cry at the best times. Um, <laughs> but it's a really lovely story. Do you know what I mean? And it's sad, but also lovely. Do you know what I mean? Like it's. Can you tell me what it's like? Can you explain yes. what a tea and toast is about for anyone who doesn't know? I was 19 and I used to busk a lot. So I was standing in the street playing the guitar and. 
in the last verse, it tells the story of an elderly couple walking through, through the street and the old lady falls down mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she um, basically like is very unwell um, and they end up in the hospital together and you realise this is the end of the old lady's life. Yeah. But the song has told you the, the rest from the, from from the, the beginning. very beginning of them, her being born, basically, him yeah. being born. Um, the, the authentic part of that story is I was busking and, and I saw that part happen. I saw an old man and old lady holding hands in the street, walking through the street, and the old lady just sort of like went collapsed. Down, collapsed. And I watched this this look on this man's face as if his ho- entire world has just disappeared oh. in the moment. And I did. Well, I don't know. You don't know what happened you know, here? The ambulance arrived. I was obviously trying to help and everyone was sort of like supporting this lady on the ground and she was still unconscious when they took her away and they literally shut those ambulance doors, drove off and I ran back to where I lived and I, and I wrote the song straight away. Yeah. And I showed it to somebody and, and, and that was that then. So all the rest of it is, you've made up the rest of it? Yeah. Oh, I thought this, it feels like it's. But a what's story. interesting is, and this is spooky girl stuff that my at my grandma's funeral, my granddad said to me, you, you know, that's pretty much exactly how we met, like my granddad and his wife. Hi, like you... the story in the song. That's so mad. Yeah, did and I, maybe did you know that story of how they met? No, no? and then he was like, I have not told you that story. So spooky. But it's the it's the really simple element of it'll all be better with some tea and toast in the morning. Do you know what that, that's this? I think that's the simplicity that I think kills you. Do you know when in in that song it it is a gorgeous song. I do really love it. Um, but yeah, did you continue singing when the woman fell on the ground, or did you stop? Whatever stopped, back? stopped, and just for me, obviously, the it's tra- trauma seeing someone oh, and like yeah. you're trying to help, but I couldn't stop looking at a man. Yeah. Couldn't stop looking at his face because it was like he just lost. It was like, you know, I don't know what happened. Yeah. But he was. But that's the thing. Like, with my with my parents, I've always looked at my parents. My parents have, in my eyes, been like yin and yang. They've been like, oh. they're like best mates. They've been together since they were 14. They've always just been very happy. They love each other very much. They're still like... I don't know my dad would slap my man's ass. They're just like happy. Do you know what I mean? And you're like, they've given me a great example of what you're supposed to look for in a, yeah. in a relationship, you know. And I have always, without being really morbid, been like, I hope they go together. Yeah. Like, as much as that would be double whammy for me, I don't want either of them to ever have to live without the other one. That's the thing, isn't it? That's yeah. completely petrifying about love, about loving anything. Like, yeah. my dog is 10, and yeah. I've had my dog. I bought my dog literally as soon as I came off X Factor. Yeah. He's 10. I'm going, fingers crossed, going to outlive my dog. But I can't imagine. Yeah. Because that, that's, it's, do you, but the Western world doesn't know how to deal with death. No. Like there's so many cultures where they're like, they like celebrate the life of someone and that's what they do. Like we're, instead of a funeral, do you know, it's like a celebration of life. And they like are happy. That's, I suppose that might be people who have like faith. Who believe people are going to another place or whatever else. But it's like a happier event and it's not like this trauma. Like we don't know. And we don't talk to, about death to kids. Like no. we don't talk, we talk about like this. Because we don't know how to vocalise it. We don't know how to talk about it. So it becomes this really taboo subject. And then people grow up with not enough information and they don't know how to emotionally deal with it. It's almost worth just never loving anybody. It is, yeah. <laughs> just avoid everyone. I just, I do, I think extensively about things like loving like I really do and I think if I got hit by a car tomorrow like what would be I actually had an um I had some surgery in January and my, I had a 
what's it called, atrial fibrillation. My heart started no. beating irregularly in you, my so you, had, you had an operation on your heart? No, I had oh. an operation, bodily operation. I'm not even going to get into that one. Woo! Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, bad times. But um, I went home and I, I lo- I'd lost a load of blood and my heart went into atrial fibrillation and um, I was like, put my fingers here and check my pulse. My pulse was going, boom. Bum, bum, bum. It's like oh Rocky. I'm not even joking. <laughs> it genuinely like it was completely out of out of whack. So I went to stand up and I just face planted on the floor, smashed onto the floor, started coughing, start I'd like started heaving, sweat, all of a sudden. sweat yeah, I sweat through all my clothes and my then girlfriend was on the phone to an ambulance and they were like, The nearest defibrillator is two buildings over, like so two blocks away. And they're saying, because she said oh, her pulse is all she was a pharmacist, so she knew what was happening. She knew how to talk. She knew the lingo. And they were like, you might need a defibrillator. And when I heard that, my like life sort of flashed in front of... It was really weird. Oh, my God. My life... It didn't like flash in front of my eyes, but like I kind of felt all the feelings ever. Yeah. And it was like, you can't go now because you like love life so much. You like you really just... You're in a great place. Don't. Don't. You can't. Yeah. And I started like clambering across the floor trying to get to that building, which I would never have got to. Like, luckily, outside? an ambulance. Yeah, I, tr- I literally... You tr- were outside? No, I was in my house. apartment just trying to get... So did you not have to get the defibrillator before the ambulance The ambulance right? came. My heart was still being funky, so they took me to hospital in an ambulance. But in that moment... Do you think that was a near-death experience? Yeah. And did that change you? I think so. Because in that moment... Do you know what would have solved that? What? Something. <laughs> well, it probably would not have at the time, honestly. And the, do you know what the woman came in? I was in a bad way. I was in a bad way, and the the ambulance woman came in. And she went, "Are you, are you Lucy Spraggan?" And no. I was like, "Not right now, not right now." That's not the place. <laughs> Lucy, like, I was on a doctor's surgery bed getting a skin tag, which cut off my arse cheek. <laughs> And the second doctor walked in the room and went, oh, I've seen you live. And I went, well, here, fucking I'm in the flesh, aren't I? Not the place. But anyway. I I, I can't tell you how how much I... Why did I just tell me about a skin tag of mirrors? Mine's worse. Mine's far worse. Your skin tag? And it was was bumhole related as well. Oh, sure, it's not a pile. Yeah, uh, it was hemorrhoidectomy. (gasps) That's not what caused your heart thing, was it? Yeah, I actually oh, lost really? so much blood out of my own ass. yeah. Oh, well, how funny that I got that out of you after you just saying you weren't going to say No, I mean, I was only not going to say not to make anybody else feel uncomfortable. Because yes, I'm and then fully, I shared my I'm ass story. I'm fully comfortable with it. <laughs> but that was the same. Listen, the... hemorrhoids are so perfectly normal, all right? We've all got them. It's, well, well, it's not actually true. No. <laughs> Talk to me, right, because I am pregnant, and that's all I'll say. And you do strain more. Right. If they say to you, have a hemorrhoidectomy, there is one word answer that you say back. No. No. Do you live with the hemorrhoids then, otherwise? I don't care what you do, but you don't have one of those surgeries. Let me tell you now. So, a hemorrhoid. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder why she's so interested. Um, A A hemorrhoid is like a a blob of skin. It's a vein. Oh, it's a vein? It's a vein. Is it swollen? <laughs> it can be. Like, I mean, I ain't, they, I ain't got none. But it no. comes out your arse hole. It, they can be in or, or out. There's, like, different grades. And was it causing you pain? Uh, <laughs> I don't remember because the pain after the surgery, like, I just, I don't know why they tell anyone to have that done. 
Because it's not beneficial, is it not in the end? Yeah, I mean, it's beneficial, but like... It's horrific. You can't stitch anything up there. Like, you can't stitch. Everything has to heal itself. Uh, yeah. It's like a yeah. broken rib, but worse. Put up your arse. <laughs> it's like a broken asshole. It's a broken asshole. Yeah. That's like all of my exes. Oh, uh, yeah. It's got broken assholes. <laughs> but uh, I don't even know how we got onto that. I'll tell you. Anyone watching, just don't do it. Yeah. You, so. Oh, that was it. Yeah. So he had what, his finger what up my changed? Bum. Oh, right. The doctor had his finger up my bum. Oh, I And was like. He said, um, oh, singing and weightlifting can uh, sometimes give people piles. And I was like, yeah, I do both of them. And he's like, oh, I know. Oh! And I was like, you're oh! at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Singing can give people piles. Yeah, because of all the diaphragm action. You know, breathing in. Aye. Yeah. If it's all talking, I do. It could be. And people with dairy accents, people do say that we sing when we talk. No. Well, just because it sounds nice. It might not do you, Lucy, but this accent's quite nice. <laughs> it is. It's lovely. I hope it doesn't give you piles. <laughs> Imagine everybody in Derry had piles. What, what if they... That's another album cover. <laughs> Everyone in Derry has piles. Um, yeah, that's like, the, that's like the Derry Girls movie, isn't it? Everyone in Derry has piles. That's the movie. Um, so what, you feel like that you had a dramatic change in outlook on life then after that near-death experience? I've had loads of near-death experiences, to be fair. Like, How have you been so unlucky? Not sure. Or I've, medically, or like almost no, I, fell I, off a cliff? I fell... Well, I was on a cherry picker at work on the third... Like, What's a cherry picker? Foot, you know, like a, a fire service use them to go yeah. up to get something yeah. from a window. Yes. I was working as a demolition operative standing on one of them and it collapsed. That is a brilliant job. It was a good job. But I didn't do it for very long because I snapped my leg in half. <laughs> from this experience that you're about to... Yeah, I was just on it and we were collecting slate out of a window because it was a reclamation job. There was no explosions. It was pretty boring. Oh. And I turned <laughs> to put the slate down. I went to get some more and the window... I was like, the window's moved. And then I was like, hang on a minute... Windows don't move. <laughs> Must be this platform I'm standing on. And then before I knew it, it would just smash into the floor. Massive claim. I, I did actually claim. Didn't pay out for like six years. <gasps> Till after I'd been on X Factor and I was like, I'm doing all right now. Yeah, yeah. Of course you're going to Of course you're gonna fucking give me the money now because I'm yeah. going to ruin you online. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? The government. It was... Um, yeah, so it was you're... You, so you, did your leg heal okay? Yeah, I have like a part of my knee, my tibial plateau, it's called a part of that missing, a weight-bearing part of my knee. So, But it's okay. I do a lot of training and stuff, seems to be. Well, there are near-death experiences that you have? Um, I got bit by an adder. Who's he? <laughs> it's like the only, Black adder. The only poisonous snake, is it, that we have? Are they poisonous? It's well, just a snake in the UK. And you got bit by one? Yeah, it was in a pear field. And I went to pick up a pear and, and a snake bit me and my mum. The mum maddest had... part of the story is that there's a pear field somewhere. Where's the pear field? <laughs> in Kent. There was just the... a, some pears. Is there a big appetite for pears in I Kent? have no idea. <laughs> pears and snakes. Another album cover. <laughs> and then this thing, I didn't even see it. It went like that on my hand. And I was like, ooh, ah. And I went like that. And I remember my mum grabbing my hand and looking at it and she was like, for fuck's sake. Oh, that's classic mum to blame you for being Bebesnik. Literally, <laughs> at the hospital, a little while later, for something for, for some other unrelated injury, they took me into another room and they're like, is anyone doing this to you? Yeah, they have to do that. 
they have to do that. And I was like, nah, I'm just super unlucky, man. Mm. Super oh, because you kept coming back with new. Yeah. You had like your own ward. Oh, literally. Yeah. They just kept bringing They've you in. They've got like a, like a photo album of X-rays for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just keep coming back. That's wild. I've never heard. My mum had a near-death experience whenever I was a teenager. We were on holidays. She's diabetic, as I said, like yes. from, from having me. But whenever we were going on holidays, they changed her, like the machine that you check your blood sugars with, to European like it, which means the decimal place is one point out, which is cr- crazy. So when you say like a, a, a your blood sugar levels are say meant to be, they say fours on the floor and sevens heaven between four and sevens, perfect. I love how there's like a little little jokey thing because about. they can't remember it otherwise. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and hers was like say like it say it should have said five, but it said like not point five, and she was like I'm about to die. So then she took a whole pile of insulin thinking and and it wasn't and then she kept checking her blood sugar levels but because the decimal point was out she's kept taking more insulin and it was like a whole shit storm and she went into a coma whenever we were on our holidays in Gran Canaria and my dad had like a bit of Spanish and was like trying to communicate with like the medical professionals but like it was like an hour before somebody came and he had to go out into the street to like we were staying in these wee villas he had to like wander around like the streets of Gran Canaria to try and find medical help and 999 didn't work. I don't know what number they're using over there, but it was just the whole shit. Storm. I love how you still don't know. I had a medical emergency in Spain, and you're still like, nope, still don't know the number yeah, for an emergency. Yeah, yeah, it's like, ocho, ocho, ocho. I don't know. <laughs> and then, um, but I was left with my mum. I was like 14 or 15, and I was like feeding her spoonfuls of sugar like a fucking bee, trying to like bring her around. And I like a bee, it's a wee spoonful of sugar water. And she was desperately trying to fall asleep and my dad was like whatever happens do not let her fall asleep she needs to stay conscious until like medical help arrives so I remember just holding my mum's face nose to nose the whole time just like shouting at her basically and like just trying to keep her awake so that she would because I didn't want her like stepping into a coma obviously not like it's never happened before it was so bizarre she did end up going into a coma whenever she was in hospital for like a few days whenever we were away and then she's recovered absolutely fine It it was fine but Whenever she came around after, she was like, "All I was like, what, what were, what was your experience of the whole thing?" And she was like, "It felt like for days I was in this really, really, really dark room, and <clears throat> I was being told constantly if I kept walking towards the two blue circles, that I'll be okay." So I was just constantly focusing on. She was was exhausted. I was constantly, constantly, constantly focusing my energy on these two blue circles and trying to go towards them. Oh. They were my eyes. They were my two blue eyes. So that was her experience of that situation of me holding my nose to her face for like an hour, shouting at her, being like, look into my eyes. Don't, don't just keep your eyes open. Keep looking at my eyes. Keep awake. Stay awake. And she was like, all I remember is like I had to focus on these two blue circles. So she was having a hypo. She was. She was. Yeah, hypo. Yeah. Not a hyper. She was yeah, having a hypo. Her, yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's you know? crazy. Crazy, isn't it? And then she bought me like this wee like blue, like. I'm not religious whatsoever. None of my family is. My mum is slightly is. But this like wee blue angel. And afterwards my mum has been like convinced that I'm like her guardian angel. Even though my life, I don't know if you can do that. She's trying to kill me off. Also, you were like t- nearly 11 pounds when you were born. Like Yeah, I almost killed her. So I, so, so I, it was my duty to save her at some point. That's amazing. Though. Yeah, it was, it was wild. That's yeah. spooky. Yeah. It reminded me of, I did keep. She didn't get a claim. Did she not? <laughs> Why not? I think because 
it was, it was a person's fault and not a company's fault and it was like this one girl would have lost her job oh. and my mum was like it's not she was it was I'd a mistake like, somebody it was take a human her down yeah sewer yeah. yeah I wouldn't it was a human error and she was she just didn't want to ruin anyone's life by like getting them like losing their job and stuff so she just was like listen I've survived that's more important but it was crazy one of my near death experiences was nearly going into a coma because I did... You've done them all? Keto. No! And at the time I drank. And when How I... How can I, you do that? Like... With spirits? martini, like pure vodka spirits, and yeah. stuff. Like, I'm just excessive person. Like, I do everything yeah. to the T. I'd had, like, nine grams of carbs in however knows how long. And weirdly, I was staying at my mum's that like night. like, 25 grams of carbs in an apple. So that's nothing. It was horrendous. Like, yeah. I felt awful. I was getting super skinny super quick. When I was at my mum's house, we'd been drinking and I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, whoa, I feel so sick. Went to walk to the bathroom, collapsed in the hallway, smashed my head. And then I just lay there on the floor. I was like, I can't physically move. Like I dragged myself back to this camp bed that I was sleeping on in the living room. And my phone was like on the camp bed. I couldn't lift my hand to get the phone. I was like willing my hand to like get it. I just felt like I couldn't move at all. And I lay there on the floor. My stepdad walked down the stairs walked straight back up my mum came down next she said I'm calling an ambulance what is happening what is happening and I was like I could barely could, could breathe and for some reason my whole body was just like fruit and she was like what and I was like fruit and she, for, she might have thought you were slagging somebody off yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh that was you coming out <laughs> but um it, that was all I wanted there's all sugar and she went and cut up some grapes because she's like you she's gonna choke put them in my mouth and no joke, as every time I had like half a grape, like my hand, I could move like a little bit. Oh my God. And then my sister came downstairs who has a master's in nutrition. She was like, get her some biscuits. Ate this, like a whole pack of biscuits. And I was sat up. I was absolutely fine. Like, like blah, 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 blah. That is, that is like a massive warning for anyone listening to not do keto. I will just don't drink at the same time because apparently, and I'm not a scientist and I don't want to be one of those people on Instagram talking about that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it prevents glycogenosis or something. It prevents if you're in ketosis. Yeah, the alcohol stops you from being able to create energy from what you do have. Oh, so I was like, you have to choose dieting. one or the other. Yeah, just uh, just eat moderately, just chill out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lost three and a half stone in the end of just that was just stopping drinking. Through ketosis? No, no. Oh no, just not through keto. I never did keto. I, I ate a large Domino's pizza to myself that day. Yeah, yeah. Plus the biscuits, plus everything else. That's what you need. Like that's that's unnecessary. Um, do you have a remember when moment before we finish? Yeah. Up. Well, I I wait, wait, wait. Remember when I almost died? Yeah. <laughs> the new Which day. time? <laughs> um, do you your Coronation Street fan? Well, it would have been when I was younger. I'm just don't watch it now, but that's I would watch it if I had the time. Haley Cropper. Yeah. Came well, out as trans. Yeah. Years ago. Yeah, that for me because I was a I lived as a boy from like very early uh, toddlery years till I was about ten. I was called Max, like shaved heads. Were you? Yeah, like boy. I was a boy. I yeah. wasn't Tom girl. A, a tomboy I was like a, a boy. Are you saying that you you were a trans boy or you were born? I was I was born female, but I was literally like I lived as a boy. Like I wow. have pictures that I'll show you. Like that I was a boy. And how were your family with that? Did they ever, everyone just call you Max? Yeah, everyone just called me Max. That's amazing. Like, very accepting family. Brilliant. Um, and 
that storyline to me is like, <gasps> yeah. I was like, fuck. Had you not seen an example of somebody else who was trans? No. On TV especially? No, and I don't think anyone really had. No. My mum has a trans friend who, who we've grown up around, but to me, she's always just been Kathy. Like, yeah. <clears throat> didn't really ever put two and two together. At one stage. Because kids don't Yeah, care. yeah, yeah. Because kids accept everything for face value. A- my niece the other day said... Did you know that uh, some girls are born um, little boys and they grow up to be girls? And I was like, I didn't know that, but how fucking amazing that yeah. you... Yeah, they don't question things like that because we've, we learn to be critical. It's, it says, it, I've just written a book, it comes out in July. Have you? Yeah, it's called Process. It's come, and as we've established, Lucy, I can read. Yes, well, please. Oh, I'm doing an audio book, so... That'll help. Yeah. Just in case. <laughs> um... <laughs> And there's a story in there that when I was Max, I was at school and some kids found out, this is primary school, they found out that my other name's Lucy and they're like, we need to find out. Not in a nasty way, just kids want to know. And they said, go on then, prove you're not a boy. Prove you're not a girl. And I was like, right then, little Max, undid my trousers, pull my my trousers down. I had boxies on, I had boxer shorts on. So they went, see, he is a boy. Yeah. And that's it. That was as easy as it was for them. I was wearing yeah. boxer shorts, so I was a boy. Um, but watching that on TV, yeah, I remember it was such a big storyline too. It was, it was. I don't think there was, um, and also because it was when she married Roy. Roy didn't know, didn't no. did not know. So that was the thing. Like he fell in love with Haley. Yeah, and then she had this past that she had to then explain, which is sad that she'd have to explain that to anyone. But that she did. But I, I don't think anyone had seen trans people as just people yeah. until that and it was way ahead of its time yeah um and the so then uh, sorry to jump ahead but so then what happened that you returned to Lucy puberty puberty and being that was probably like 1990 maybe turn of the millennium 2000 uh-huh. and the resources you don't have the same resources now it speaks a lot about it in my book there's a chapter called when I was a little boy and my mum sat me down and said, like, you're getting boobs. and What, are, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Like, it's up to you. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't really think that there was the option to stay as, I mean, there would have been an option to stay as Max, but not as accessible as it is now. Yeah. It's taken me a long time to, like, understand to terms with my gender. And, and so do you think that if, had there been... It had it had been now and there was more of an option and it was more accessible that you would have preferred you'd have stayed as I Max. I stayed as Max. You I were imagine. Max. Yeah, yeah. And people always go, yeah, but what? Like, and they're just, like their mind's blown by that. But I'm like, but the fact is that wasn't an option. Yeah. And so I became Lucy again, and and people say, yeah, but what if? And I'm like, but it didn't happen. Yeah. And so they say, well, what do we need to do for chance? And I'm like, keep your fucking nose out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let people be whoever they want to be. Yeah. And stop believing that you can interject or intercept. Or that your opinion matters. Exactly. And if someone wants to be something and they're not hurting anybody, just let them do their thing. Yeah. And it took me years to... I always thought I hated my body because I was like a bigger person. Mm -hmm. and I. So I lost loads of weight and then I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh, I still don't really like myself. Hmm. And it was only when I spoke to one of my trans friends who said, did you ever consider that there's a bit of gender dysmorphia that you spent like a decade as a boy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And formative years as a boy as well. Those years yeah. were like your identity becomes quite, to the people around you anyway, ingrained. And then so for that identity to change, because it almost feels like you didn't 
change into max if you were only two it feels like you were just max already from the start you yeah, know what i mean max yeah and and people say that as well they because i'm the kind of person who says exactly what i mean and yeah. if someone says something i don't like i'll say oh i don't like that and it's a bit like male privilege yeah and people say well i was speaking to my therapist about it and i said yeah i think that's because i spent a decade of my life as a boy yeah i was raised being taught that you can go out fight have fun, play with the action men, you are capable, you can do whatever yeah. you want to do in this life. And I've carried that through. So did you, when you became Lucy again, did your did your parents parent you differently? I don't think so. Because there's that, you know, there's obviously that, like, and I, um, I don't do it with my daughter at all. I don't parent her like she's a girl or anything. She's like, as, as in like my daughter's upset. So for instance, like I bought her a Spider-Man hat last week, but it was in the boy section and that really bothered so- me. She's obsessed with superheroes. She loves superheroes. She's obsessed with football and I want her to do everything that is considered both gender stereotypical toys to play with. But she's obsessed with Spider-Man and Iron Man and all those things. And um, it annoyed me that in the tag for the hat, it was like boy's hat. And I was like, why? Why can't that just be a hat? Why does it have to be by for a boy because it's Spider-Man? My sister, she just lets the kids do whatever they want, like wear whatever they want. Yeah, of course. And that's because that's what children are designed to be. Yeah. We keep trying to force them into pens and say, I I don't know. It really, I had a really positive experience with it. Mm -hmm. And people are so obsessed, obsessed with other people's gender or what I and I, I can't I can't understand it, but it is why I have such like compassion for trans people and mm-hmm. trans rights. Um and that that storyline to me, that piece of television, as yeah. it will have done for loads of people, was like, whoa. And you imagine that would have helped so many people feel like that's not such a rare thing to say to somebody. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you can be honest with yourself and honest with the people around you. But does it, like I know you're saying there, like about, you know, just fucking people can just keep their opinions to themselves as regards that, that whole situation. Um, Do you mean that and like, that's not something you like to talk about or like, because obviously if people are, if like for me, I would like to learn. I'm intrigued as yeah. in like, so I can use the right words and I can be respectful and I can, I don't need to understand because like people don't understand me. You don't have to understand everything about everyone. You just have to fucking get on your own life. But does, is that something like, do you, would you be like, well, I don't, I don't need to feel like I have to educate anybody about that? It is the, the thing is that I will, because I have a little, my own little soapbox to be on to speak. Yeah. And what I find like e- as equally painful as yeah. I find, um, like really interesting is that because I'm a cis white woman talking yeah. about trans uh, topics, people listen to me. Whereas if this was, and I wish I had more, I have loads of amazing trans friends who do have platforms. Yeah. And if they had the same platform as me, potentially not listen to as much. Like yeah. there's a huge irony in it. Like Isn't there? Yeah. And I will always the talk about that because... I'm really passionate about people being able to live their authentic self. Yeah. And it's very difficult to live your authentic self when there's people standing in the way telling you that that's not what you are. Yeah. And and I remember as a child, and I was talking about this yesterday, that when I was Max, there were adults in my life that would call me Lucy. 
there were adults yeah. and when they did that it, i i cried hysterically like i was i was and would they do it on purpose yeah they refused to accept you as max and there's this is a rare amount of people like this is a really small percentage of people but they did it yeah and it's called dead naming that is called like you know calling someone by the name that they're not associated they're, yeah with. that's that's mm-hmm. like a terminology dead naming um and what I what I notice more and more and more anti trans people anti anything people are people who are really struggling to express themselves in their own way. Yeah, so it's so much easier to be oh, hateful yeah. than it is to say, oh, do you know what? Actually, like I would have liked the opportunity to have been a boy. Yeah, which you know, like homophobic when people are homoph- I was listening to some Christian music the other day. Don't ask me why I was just like rocking out to it in my dressing room. So I was like, oh, all genres, yeah, woo, <laughs> and, and it was like they break off the chain, and then they went. Ah, let's unite against the power, against the sin of homosexuality. And I was like, what, what, the, what the fuck? The, that and I just skipped back to it and it was like, let's speak against the, the sin of homosexuality. And I was like, that's gay, that. If yeah. you're on stage and you're vibing out in a massive band and you're like, break off the chain. She's clearly looked into the audience, seeing some fit woman. Yeah. She's been like, she's like, oh, fight the urge, oh, fight the urge. I'm not gay. Speak against the power of homosexuality. Yeah, I might be in a culture talking, but I'm not gay. People yeah. who are homo- homophobic are so gay. But it's, that's the gayest thing you can be it's, is to have such an opinion on who's fucking who. Like that's it's you, so gay. It's so gay. If you're thinking that much about gay people, you're yeah. gay as fuck. If you're leaving your house to like do a protest that day about who people are sleeping with or like about gayness, you're gay. so gay. So you're spending gay. more time thinking about gay stuff than gay people. More gay, yeah, they're gayer than I am. Yeah, but it's also like even like we talked about like the abortion stuff before we started too about how like that's just. Like, if all those things bother you, just don't do them. Yeah, and it's Just don't cool. do them. Like, I think everybody should just think a little bit more about bodily autonomy and how, like, have a have a rethink about if you should ever give a fuck about somebody else's body. Yeah, especially if it's piles. Yeah, exactly. So let's let's delete from everyone's memory. Do you know somewhere... The 10 minutes we spoke about piles. <laughs> someone only <laughs> protested about getting rid of those, like, you know? But that, do you know... <laughs> But that's the save the piles. <laughs> they have their own identity too. <laughs> save the fucking hemorrhoids. I just that's think... the thing, like, because because obviously, like, you think about like what people protested like fifty years ago, you know, and like how we look back and go, that's so ridis- ridiculous that like, you know, the, you know, that women didn't have the vote and you know, you know, slavery, all those things. It just seems so ridiculous now. There will absolutely be a time that we will look back on transphobia and homophobia and, and anti-abortion rallies and be like can you believe people try to tell other people what to do with their bodies that's nuts do you know what I mean we'll I, feel, I feel like the, the generation and we'll move on to piles they'll have fuck all yeah. they argue about they'll be like right we'll protest men piles. will be having children yeah they'll be giving birth they'll have no the one will piles. have piles <laughs> <laughs> there'll be no hate yeah no, it's even that conversation about like women in comedy. Like I constantly get asked, like speaking on interviews or speak about something. It's like, how do you feel about being a woman in comedy? And you're like, this is so old now. Yeah, like boring. it's not. It's boring. It's like, yeah, that would have been different if it was like the first female comedian. Like, but like it's not a, it's not a, an irregularity now. Like, why are we still having that conversation? It's not. It's. I don't think it's. It's not a boys' club anymore. It's not. It's not the world that it is now. So it's like that's an old, such an old conversation to be having. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, it, and uh, I mean, people have arguments about all kinds of stuff and try and compare like trans rights to gay rights to get to gay rights to um, 
like you know to make draw comparisons between loads of things in life and I'm like the world doesn't fucking work like that yeah and also just because you have an analogy doesn't mean it's right fuck yeah. off I hate that people are like, it's just like that you're like it's not I, I, I had a very confrontational conversation with somebody who was like well do you think a man can give birth and I was like yeah 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 a, a trans man like, can do you, do you think this and that and I was like yeah yeah. I was like, really, I the don't care. best way to be is not bothered. I actually said, you're shaking and you've lost your composure. So if you want to join me for a minute, take a breath. Yeah. Then maybe we could continue. And I've, like, people That's how you're a gentle shit. parent. Oh, is it? No. Do you listen? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, do, oh, do, you, do you, like, shut the door, like, really softly and then, like, punch something, punch yeah. the fridge? Yeah, I've punched a pillow a couple of times I've slammed doors in the middle of the night but um, that my daughter one night was just like she just wasn't going to sleep she was she was fully playing up and I remember fuming and just slammed a door really loudly and it was like two in the morning but I know that I did it to wake my husband to be like tapping oh. <laughs> I'm tapping out I wasn't even angry towards her I was like this will wake him <laughs> children you get up. It's like, why don't you just go to sleep when you're 30 you'll be so pissed off that you didn't just jump at the opportunity to be asleep the amount of naps I know I missed as a toddler because my mum told me I was a terrible sleeper and you're like why napping is the fucking best yeah why wouldn't you do that more when you're a child like give appreciate anything. what's great I'd in the world give anything to put me in a pram <laughs> from A to B while I just have a little drink just be be quiet could or... you imagine if I pushed you in a pram around Belfast city centre and people were like is that we'd be like leave us alone yeah. we're just living it's an experiment bodily autonomy leave yeah. us alone don't we're, have an opinion we're doing what we want <laughs> we're not hurting anyone we want to be babies we'll be babies <laughs> that's a whole other conversation <laughs> Uh, Lucy, thank you so much for coming on and joining me today. I could chat to you all day long. Thank you. For um, me. I hope your show is an absolute blast tonight in the Empire. I'm sure it will be. And I hope you get some sleep on your bus. Yeah, thank you. Well, I hope you need a pram. I do. I need a pram. I need a pram bus. But I, I hope everything goes amazingly well and that the baby's under what we say about eight pounds. I'll, I'll, it can be under nine. Nine. Under I'm not going to judge it. I wasn't a skinny money when I came out. <laughs> I'm not going to judge it if it's a wee bit chunky. <laughs> well, all, all the best. Thanks for that. Very much. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for coming on. Mm-hmm.